Well, a few weeks ago, we kicked off this little conversation around the whole idea of what is fellowship as the Bible starts to talk about it and why it's important in the life of the early church and why the Holy Spirit thought it would be a good idea to inspire a guy by the name of Luke to actually write down what he was seeing as the Holy Spirit was being poured out on a group of people as they're trying to follow Jesus in the world. And... Um, we're going to uh, sort of unpack a little bit more of that. But last, uh, last week or the week before, Scott um, did this great little bit of teaching on koinonia or fellowship is also learning about letting God love you through others and how often, you know, we, we kind of posture our life to be able to receive from certain people, but we don't want to receive from other types of people. And yet, Scott was really calling us on into maturity to the whole idea of like, hey, just let God love you through the people he sends your way and, um, and learning to receive that and shape your life. That was a, that was a really encouraging word. Um, as we push into this a little bit more, this morning I want to just say this straight off the bat, that fellowship, often when we, when we approach this conversation and this idea, we often approach it with a sense of this is an activity or a task. And I just want when to, we, when we hear that, I just want you to imagine the sound of a scratched record. You know when the record scratches? Because it's got nothing to do with task and it's got everything to do with who we are. It's got everything to do with who we really are and nothing to do with task. Fellowship is what we do because we know who we are. And that's the flow of it. Fellowship is what we do because we know who we are. It's an outworking. A number of years ago, my brother-in-law and I, we went to um, Vietnam to spend some time working with the underground church in Vietnam. And, um, you know, we thought we were James Bond smuggling all sorts of, you know, material in and out and getting on the back of motorbikes in the middle of these big cities where we have no idea who these people are that are picking us up and taking us and dropping us into these back streets and dark alleys and all of a sudden, you know, people open these gates and they know our name and they say, come in, and they shut the door and, you know, we spend hours with these folk. It was, um, it was a great um, time equipping uh, the uh, persecuted church. But... Um, one of the things we did one day was Matt and I, we, um, we put, put our money together and we hired a karaoke bar. Um, and the karaoke bar, we hired it like, let's, let's do this thing like right in the guts of the city. Like, let's not try and hide what we're doing too much, but let's do it right in the thumping middle of everything. And so we hired this karaoke bar, which was about, it was like underneath a building, at the back of a building and down some steps and underneath. And it was like, just really... A, dark dingy joint you know and um, the decor was just something else to behold but anyways we were in there and um, we paid someone to pay off someone to pay off someone so that we could have that space and make sure that it would not be interrupted and so we were able to pay off the people that you could make sure that that would happen you wouldn't be interrupted so anyway we arrived there that morning and it's just the two of us in this room and, um, and then over the course of an hour, um, these people would start arriving, you know, in groups of two or three, and then a person would come on their own, and then another four would arrive. And anyway, 
we packed into this little karaoke bar and there's like a hundred of us all jammed in there and we we're all kind of like up against the wall and but anyway we had the most amazing eight hours together like eight hours we worshiped non-stop we taught the scriptures non-top non-stop we just like we prayed for everything that was broken to be healed we just prophesied the father's heart over every single person as much as the holy spirit would empower us to do it we spent ourselves on that and um we just loved it and what we saw was um these just these people that were coming out of um places of oppression that was isolating them and yet um they were choosing they were choosing with the help of Jesus to risk pushing back against the oppression and gathering, even though it was illegal to do so. Um, and not, not just illegal to gather, but it was, it's illegal to be a follower of Jesus. <laughs> That's how illegal it is, you know. And, um, but their, their willingness to, um, want, and their hunger to be together was of such great um, conviction. I mean, it just completely convicted uh, me and my brother-in-law. We were just like overwhelmed by the magnitude and the depth and, the, and their givenness to this idea of being Jesus's people together following God. And um, it was just worship, word, ministry, the spirit was there, signs and wonders, there was some good healing that took place and, and a number of people who, would, who had been brought there with others gave their lives to Jesus for the first time and entered the kingdom of God. You see, fellowship is, who, is what we do because it's who we are. You do that kind of stuff because it's flowing out of who God has made us to be in Jesus. Let's grab our Bibles, Acts 2.42. And uh, if you haven't got your Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. But it says there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the Lord added to their number those who were being saved." It was interesting um, when we were in Vietnam at that time, my brother-in-law and I, and um, as we were there, it was like these guys had to overcome. They had to overcome all sorts of resistance and opposition to be able to gather and be together. And um, it's interesting, if, if, if you take anything home today, I really want you to take this home. Overcoming happens because of the overflowing reality of who Jesus is alive in you. It's not about task. It's not about function. Overcoming is as a result of overflowing of the reality of who Jesus Christ is in you, alive in you and through you. If you, if you forget everything else, just take that one home today. 
But in their cultural context, they had to overcome all sorts of different sanctions. They had to overcome um, political sanctions. They had to overcome spiritual opposition because culturally and contextually, everyone was either a Buddhist or an animist, and so they're worshipping trees or spirits in in all different bits of creation. They were worshipping all sorts of different um, entities and and idols, and visual, like they're visual idols. You could see them, you know, there's carvings and all sorts of icons that you could give yourself to because it was a, you understand idols because it was visual. But they had to overcome that. Even They had to even overcome historical long family of origin, spiritual life, because Jesus had called them out of that and into a new family into the kingdom of God and living a new way. So some of them were like, just gathering together meant they were being isolated and cut off from family. So they're overcoming all of this stuff because this outworking of the spirit of Jesus in them and through them. So my question to us today is, what are some of the cultural idols that Jesus is inviting you and me to overcome with him? in this moment that we're living? What are some of the cultural idols that Jesus is looking to overcome through the overflow of his presence in your life and mine? Um, Scott McKnight has this fantastic quote. I always just keep coming back to this one over the last few years in his book, Kingdom Conspiracy. It's an absolute cracker. Scott McKnight says this. He says, Kingdom is people. The church is people. A people living under King Jesus begins to live into an alternative society that witnesses both to the world and against the world systems. Our world is marked by isolation, fragmentation, transience, privacy, consumerism, power, complacency, alienation, suspicion, and a host of other idolatries. It's a big list, isn't it? Like, big list. But it's interesting the word he uses to describe those things. He calls them idols, and we'll touch on that in a minute. But the church, which is kingdom fellowship, which is koinonia, under King Jesus, counters these stories with the story of new creation that comes possible through the power of the Spirit and the life of King Jesus. It's interesting that word, isn't it? Idolatries. Um, you know, when you go to sometimes um, different contexts, particularly in, uh, you know, like um, parts of Asia or India or other nations where idolatry is, is easily seen. It's like, oh yeah, it's, there's a temple for that. There's an idol you bow down for that. There's the corner in the house where you give your daily sacrifice stuff to. It's seen. It's a seen practice. But we in the West, ours is hidden. Ours is very hidden. And yet it is still just as powerful in terms of being a spiritual force. And that's, that's the list of them up there that Scott McKnight's poking at. These are the things that King Jesus is busy about tearing down so that he can establish another kingdom in the earth. A people who live a different story than that one. 
So just think about this a little bit more as we push through this this morning. Where can you see the idolatrous activity in your daily life and my daily life and even in our town and even in our country and even in our street and even in our families? Where can we see these idolatrous activities? Oh, Kirk, don't be so silly. What do you mean we're worshipping idols? Well, every time we say no to King Jesus... We are choosing to put our authority as his highest created in the created order, his highest creation authorised to steward all of heaven and earth with him, in partnership with him. We're choosing to give that authority and power away to something other than Jesus. Every time we say no to Jesus, we're choosing to empower another reality. You got See, the lie is this. There's neutral ground. That's the lie. There's no neutral ground. There is no spiritually neutral ground. The story of God, the story of the scriptures, the lived reality is we are living in a hot house spiritual environment 24-7. 24-7, even when we're sleeping. Even when we're sleeping. It's going on. And Jesus is inviting us to come under his goodness and come out from under these idols by saying, yes, Lord, let me live for you and let me partner with you to bring koinonia into every frustrating and every opposing reality in the earth today. Now, we're sitting here and we're thinking like, but who am I? I'm just a... Student, I'm just a parent, I'm just a, you know, I work at a desk nine to five. Who am I? I'm just a grandma. Who am I? I'll tell you who you are. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a son or a daughter of the God who has made heaven and earth. And he has placed his spirit in you that you would be his representation to bring all of the misplaced worship that's going on in the world and say, come on world, let's bring that and place that worship onto King Jesus who has broken the power of death and has risen again and now rules and reigns as the God above every other God who's actually my brother who now calls me brother as my first risen brother from the grave and now empowers me to join him in what he's doing in the earth. That's who you are. That's who you are. If there's one thing I find myself having to do every single day of the week is remind myself and remind everyone around me who they are. Who they are. Because I tell you, one of the other idolatries that's tearing around in the earth today is confusion and people are giving their worship to it. They're empowering it. Confused ideologies, confused understandings of the nature of what it means to be a human being, of what it means to be male, of what it means to be female. There is massive confusion and we are worshipping it as a culture and Jesus is inviting us to say, come on, let's live the life of the kingdom of God where you can be fully alive as a human being flourishing under the goodness of God and as a source of that hope to the world. I'm talking big stuff here because you guys are big people. You are big influences 
The kingdom of darkness shudders when you get up of a morning. You may not realise it, but it has been busy scheming, planning and working to rob, kill and destroy because it is threatened by who you are and who I am in Jesus Christ as the children of God empowered to bring hope to this world. The Holy Spirit is being poured out in this hour. The Holy Spirit's been poured out ever since this account in the book of Acts, this historical account. The Spirit of God is being poured out time and time and time again on all flesh. God is on the move. There is a move in his creation where Jesus' people are coming alive to the fact that they're ambassadors of his kingdom. Moves of God are not about big churches and flashy programs. That's not a move of God. A move of God is people coming alive to God, realising who they are, and they go and bring that as good news and they live it with all their heart and all their mind and all their strength. And they live it without apology for the sake of the world. Gee, Kirk, a bit wound up there. But there's a move of God in the earth and you're it. You're it. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Now that we've met Jesus, when you and I said, yes, Jesus, what we said in that moment was, we're going to unplug every bit of worship that we've given to these other things and we are going to fully plug that into Jesus Christ. That's what happened the day we said yes to Jesus Christ and we're born again. That's what happened. We're plugging into Jesus, not this stuff anymore. This stuff will just keep ramping itself up and coming around and telling you, please, please, plug back into me. Give yourself to me. But that's not the story of the kingdom of God. We live a different story. We live one of resurrection, hope, and power. Let me just quickly um, push through here. This idea of koinonia, this idea of fellowship, there's just four little points I want to make. It's, it's, it's what we do because who we are. It's because that's who we are. You see, God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Scott led us beautifully through communion just then. God was fully in Christ when he um, came and made his dwelling among us. The fullness of God is there in Jesus. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all there, seen in Christ and what he has done to redeem the world. See, within God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is a koinonia, and that koinonia overflows. And with the overflow of that relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it, it releases the kingdom into every other place where there's isolation, brokenness, transience, and so forth and so forth. See, there is koinonia in God himself. And he has, through Jesus, brought us up into the beauty of who he is and how he does relationship. See, koinonia is who we are because it's who our God is. It's who our God is. It's not an activity. It's an overflowing of who he is. Koinonia is not a task. Secondly, it's not a task or a duty. Like I said, it's an overflow of being alive to God. That's a huge difference between relationship and religion. And we all know that. We've tried religion. It doesn't sit so well in the back of your mouth or in your gut. It's like, mm. But the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
man, I'm looking forward to in about an hour and a half's time, I'm going to have a really cranking good steak. I'm looking forward to cooking it. My mouth's starting to water just thinking about it. And that's just a steak. Taste and see the goodness of God. Let your senses come alive to him who lives in you, who's filled you with his spirit. Oh, just let your senses come alive to him. <laughs> uh, it's all right. I did get enough sleep last night. It's okay. Hey, three, koinonia is the place of spiritual authority and power. I often find in conversations, a lot of people say, I'm not seeing enough of the power of God manifesting in my life. And my, my, my question back is, well, where's, where are you in koinonia? Where are you in fellowship? Because when we read the book and we look at the story of God all the way through, wherever the people gather, the king is there in their midst. Two, three, coffee shops, worship places, um, houses, doesn't matter where you gather, the king comes. It's the nature of who he is. That's why we gather. That's why we do what we do. And it's a place of spiritual power and authority. You see, signs and wonders broke through in the early church. I find it interesting. This week I had this you know, beautiful invitation and opportunity where this dear person reached out to us and said, um, my home is being um, it's harassed by a spirit. And um, this dear woman was um, seeing this spirit in the night with detail. She was able to describe the, this figure to us in absolute detail. And then at the same time, she, uh, you know, she was then reporting to us that her children are in the middle of the night. She'll wake up and find herself, her children talking to this spirit. And when she asks them, what does it look like? They describe the exact thing that she is seeing. And it's harassing her children individually in the night. And so she's, she rings us and she's like, can you help? Well, darn straight, we can. That's our core business. <laughs> That's core business. <laughs> anyway, so the, the beauty of what happened was this. There was about half a dozen of us as Jesus people. We got together and we said, let's go. So we went there. And we got together, and the first thing we said to this dear lady was, who is, a, who is a follower of Jesus, who is a follower of Jesus, and she's doing her best to try and push this stuff out of her house. We just came along and we said, listen, first thing, the experts have not arrived. First thing you've got to understand, you are the authorised, anointed, spiritual authority in this house. It's you. And this woman was like, right, yes. She was like, right. She was like, really, yes. And I said, we're just going to be like a bit like a football scrum. I said, we're just going to come alongside you and we're just going to collectively together partner with your spiritual authority and we're going to push this stuff out of the house. And she said, okay. And so we went about doing that together. And then we walked through the rooms and we started to pray through the rooms together and we started to ask the Holy Spirit about all of the little dedicated objects that are in the house. I was like, what do you think the Holy Spirit's saying about that object? Hmm, I don't know. I think maybe I need to get rid of it. Good idea. And by the way, I've got all these other things in the garage that I think I need to get rid of. The Holy Spirit's saying, that's good. Clean it up. Get it out. Get rid of it. 
She was unplugging from all of the spiritual harassment. Why? Because koinonia was there. When there is koinonia, there is power to deal with this rot from the kingdom of darkness and to drive it out. You guys, man. Can I say this? Muscle up a bit, will you? Muscle up in this season. Because I tell you, that isolation, that privacy, that, all that Yahoo, it, it, it's, it's trying to shut people down, push them into the corner and disempower them. So that we begin to find friends, friendship with the darkness and, and enjoy the quietness so much that we never actually want to come out from the quietness and be the voice of the proclamation of the kingdom of God that Jesus has asked us to be. Muscle up, Jesus people. Partner with the Holy Spirit in this hour. Spiritual authority is released and lastly, it's the fertile context for signs and wonders and the, and, the, and the power of God. When the people of Jesus come together, be it in two, be it in three, be it in a home group, be it in a coffee shop, be it in a fellowship like this on the weekend, when we come together, it is the context for the outpouring of the supernatural work of God. Look for it, expect it, lean into it. People get set free, people get, set, get delivered, people hear good news that their life is important because Jesus has forgiven them of their sin and now they can be born again by just simply saying, thank you, thank you. I give myself to you, thank you. People are healed, sickness is broken, disease is driven out. I tell you, friends, this is a great time to be alive. We're living in a supercharged spiritual environment and there is so much, like, it is bouncing all over the place right now and it is crazy and the world is desperate for someone that would just speak and live a different story. Let's just finish with this. Wimber said this quote um, that we've used a few times. Intimacy with God leads to intimacy with others. In other words, our mutual belonging and relating is founded on God's presence and God's word. The priority of fellowship, the priority of koinonia is all about the importance of relationships. Actually doing them. Actually operating relationally and actually sharing the common life. It means being family to one another and living and caring in caring relationships. We prioritise fellowship. It's what we do because it's who we are. It's who we are. This morning I'm going to pray. And like in first service, uh, we're not going to stand and pray. We're just going to sit for a minute. And I'm just going to pop that um, quote of Scott McKnight's back up on the screen if I could. And we're just going to, for a few moments, all right, Holy Spirit, where am I giving my worship in this season? Where am I giving my worship in this season? And then we're going to, um, after we just spend a little few moments there in that space,
Then we're going to break the power of idols. We're going to break the power of idols. And we're going to do that by simply saying, yes, Lord, as the Holy Spirit inspires you to stand up. Now, you don't have to, like, yell out, which one of these things, you know, I've been playing around with too long that I need to actually come away from and get free from. But just in the conversation with you and King Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you can stand up and then we're going to pray and ask God to break the power of idols off you and that you just give your heart to Jesus and let him be Lord and let him lead you through this most crazy season that we're all living in. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you've so, so made yourself known to us through the revelation of Jesus, your Son, and that in looking at Jesus, we see you, Father. We see the fullness of God. And I thank you, Jesus, that um, you call us into this you know, new creation life of, of living alive to God. And we just pray now, Holy Spirit, you just come and touch us and fill us and have this conversation with us. We just make ourselves available to you right now, God. Would you come and speak to us, Lord? Come, Holy Spirit. Show us where these idols have been at play over our life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and bring the freedom of the good news of Jesus to our life as we choose to plug into him today. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to our hearts and minds about just the, just the beauty and the life and the power of being drawn up into koinonia with you and with others. Thank you that you come with freedom. Thank you that you come with grace. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.